You're listening to the Light Forge Podcast, the key to unlocking your arena success with your co-hosts, ADWCTA and Murps. Welcome to the Light Forge Podcast. This is Adwita. This is Murps. We're one week. Oh, I don't bet less than one week, but yeah, one week into the expansion. We've got a lot to talk about. Let's jump right into it. Yeah, we're de- this is going to be an arena podcast because the big, big, big changes were arena focused and the new set and the whole meta has changed. Um, what we basically thought about the meta was was kind of on point in uh, in terms of where the meta was going. Um, if you look at our preview, I think it all holds up really well uh, and is, I don't think we made like the hardest kind of predictions, but they were all right, but we didn't even go as far as what the meta turned out to be. Like, you'll hear us say things like, oh, there's less initiative in this upcoming meta, but no, there's a lot less initiative. We'll say things like, the quality is going to be lower because you have all these old sets come in and you have two really big sets come out. Look, this is really important. The quality is lower. I I stepped into the meta and I was blown away by the crap quality of all the decks that I had. Yeah, well, my, my opponents seem to have totally fine decks, but but my decks were all crap. I th- I think that's something that uh, really hit people immediately. Um, I noticed it, uh, like when I was drafting, I played with uh, Dreads in uh, some co-ops. I've also been watching some streams as well. The quality is jarring in terms of the average quality mm-hmm. of your deck, but also the disparity. And the polarized yeah. nature where when we say your deck is bad, it's not all of your cards are consistently bad. It is 25 of your cards are terrible, like just really bad. Um, you know, vanilla stats, kind of like Yeti level. And once again, remember, Yetis are, are bad. Like, like 25 of your cards? No, no, no. Like, like 25 are bad, but I'm saying like, you know, like a, a lot of the cards that I think people will still think are decent are just like bad now, you know? Um, and then you have the handful of really good cards so for example in one of my past streams i had a hunter deck uh terrible quality overall i had a lot of just situational cards um Mm -hmm. and then i had just a bunch of just really bad cards like three mana three threes right i had quite a few of those uh but two desert spears and it was like please just draw the desert (laughs) spear if you draw the desert spear you probably win um and you get a lot of those games uh, where you have a few cards, and some people might look at it in terms of like, I have one Ysera, or I have a Lady Press Tour, and I just have to get mm-hmm. to that. Um, but that's, that is sort of the meta right now, where a lot of times you're like, okay, I just got to play these crappy things, and the other person is playing their crappy things, and you're just trying to hit your actual good card first. Yeah, so one other thing about this meta is that it's also soft. Like, it's soft. Like, okay, all metas at the start of a new expansion are soft because players are playing and blah, blah, blah. But this meta, at least to me, seems particularly soft because we are... Or maybe just the meta has changed in a way that deck quality and whatever that it feels more like classic in that you can take these decks Merps is talking about where you just have a bunch of Yetis, including multiple 3-mana three 3-3s three or 4-mana four 4-4s four and just stuff that would be just sink your whole deck in the previous meta. And in this meta, you'll still take that run to like 5 wins, 6 wins, 7 wins. It's all doable. And that was not doable for like, I don't know, almost a year if you're looking back. 
I think for about a year since Skullamance came out, if you had a bad deck, you were barely even going to scratch five, If even in the very beginning of a meta when it was the softest. Um, and now these decks can go, they're not going to get you 12, uh, but they're, they're, you could go decently far with them uh, if you're interested in being an infinite player, which you know, means one, the meta is soft, but two, we're getting back to that classic kind of like skill set where it seems like you can make enough of an impact with your skill on the low end of, uh, of, of the deck qualities that you face. Um, and, and that's, that's pretty good. That's, that's something we haven't seen, uh, in a bit, like that certain types of skills are being re-emphasized here. Um, but yeah, the quality is crap. And even more, like, Murph's talking about everything's like a Yeti or like a 3-mana 3-3. There's also cards that are back now where sometimes I've had to take a deck, that, a card that was, like, Murph describes it as super situational, but I'll describe it as basically worthless. Like, it's just unplayable in your hand because you can't spend the mana to play it because it will never be worth it until you run out of cards and then you play it. Like, you're, you're going to end up with at least one of those cards in most of your runs now. Like, there was a run... Uh, so, so if you're uh, listening to this podcast and you want to watch some uh, 11, 12 win runs uh, that we put on YouTube, two are coming next week. Uh, I napped two on Friday night. And one of them was just such a bad deck, but it only had one card that was worse than a three mana 3-3. Three, three. And that made it actually have a higher floor than like a lot of my opponents. Now, that didn't get it 11 wins. We faced... You'll, you'll, you'll see. If you watch that run, you'll just be like, what is happening? Why are your opponents so bad at this game? That was Friday, too. That wasn't even Tuesday. That was... Uh, people... It's just kind of a soft meta. Um, but not having a super terrible card in my deck uh, really, really helped. Even though I had almost no actual good cards in, in the deck. It, it didn't really matter that much. Um, the deck is struggling the entire way, but you could pull out wins. You get a little lucky, and you pull out a little more wins. Um, it's it's quite a it's quite a good feeling. Yeah, I would say it is interesting and a little bit refreshing to see this current meta, um, just because uh, I I like seeing the lack of initiative. Um, and mm-hmm. this is another conversation mm-hmm. I had with Dreads yesterday, where. Someone in chat mentioned uh, this this fact, and um, uh, they were just like, man, it seems like there's just more potatoes in the arena. Uh, and <laughs> I immediately thought about that comment, and I think it's one of two things. Uh, first of all, there's just more people playing after an expansion, not just mm-hmm. in an arena. Like, people are just playing after an expansion, period, right? And a lot of them will just yep. disappear uh, to play other games, and it's just the nature of and, games. And also, there's a lot of people who have never seen these cards before that are coming in. Like, right, they're old right. cards, and we talk as if everybody's played in these past metas, but there are new arena players. It's not just the same old people slowly dying off. There, uh, However rare it might be, there are new <laughs> players. But a lot of it also comes from when you don't have uh, all the fishy flyers, rusty raiders, and mm-hmm. broomsticks, uh, you're going to see some weirder plays because now there is such a thing as misallocating your resources. There is such a thing as um, kind of getting in a bad spot and not having an answer when you had so much generation uh, that produced initiative along with the double rusty raider, double fishy flyer in every single deck. Uh, maybe a broomstick to go with that basilisk to clean up whatever you put out there that might have been a threat. Um, it just seems as though 
those potato players weren't there. They were always there. It's just these things are, um, you know, like very easy to play. And it kind of doesn't matter if you, quote, you know, make a mistake in terms yes. of, uh, oh, man, they were able to build up a little bit more uh, due to, or like, you know, you were able to build up a little bit more due to your good trades and everything. They could always clean it up, right? They could always patch up their mistakes uh, in much better ways. Whereas when you take that initiative away, um, now the mistakes that these people are making are a lot more glaring and it's a little mm. bit more punishing. So when chat is just like, man, why does it seem as though players are just kind of just doing dumber things? It's like, well, they've always had the capacity to do those things. It's just when you have a handful of that stuff, along with the, let's say, Wand Thief, uh, Onyx Mage Scribe to get more of those things, um, and then, you know, the broomsticks to make all their minions rush at the same time, it, it just seems as though, like, oh, okay, well, it, it's, you know, it, it's a good player or the player that's doing the appropriate thing, because it's hard to kind of mess it up if you just have all the initiative in your hand and you're just always clearing and always doing that stuff. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like, a really good point that that's why these, these bad players are showing their hand, right? They're all... And I think a lot of people are really like, oh, I'm doing poorly in this meta. Why? Well, if you really either, like, quote-unquote, gotten good after Ashes of Outlands or you only started playing Arena after Ashes of Outlands, a lot of your skills are less applicable. And a lot of the skills that were applicable before those metas you probably didn't pick up or didn't hone. And so your your skill level is is not matching what this meta is testing. And um, and that causes the drop. So you're going to be making bad plays that you don't even realize are bad plays. I've always described the easiest card in Hearthstone to play as a, re a reaction card. Why? Because you know when you play it what's going to happen. Your opponent already did the thing. Now you just react to it. Right? Anything with initiative is a reaction card. They are the easiest cards, the most noob-friendly cards possible to play. The one step up from that, and, and this is why... I remember this used to be like a hot take back like six years ago when I first said it. And like most people were like, oh, I never thought about it that way. Now, I don't know how much of a hot take it is, but like Fireball is an easier card to play than Yeti. Yeti is hugely skill-testing compared to Fireball. It's not even close. Now, there are cards that are way more skill testing than Yeti. I'm not saying Yeti is the epitome of all skill, but that's how easy it is to play initiative cards. And we've eliminated, this goes back to the whole, like, there's far fewer initiative cards in this meta. We've eliminated, like, half of the initiative that you normally see in a, in a run. Like, I'm literally seeing, before, you almost never ran out of initiative. Now, not only do you just have fewer initiative, which is easier cards to play, but because you have fewer initiative, you have to determine... When it, what is a big enough threat for me to use this initiative on rather than just like let them have it for a turn, right? And continue setting up my board being better. So the remaining initiative cards that you have in your deck are more skill testing. In addition to just the game eliminating a whole bunch of these lower skill testing cards in the first place. But even the remaining ones have been elevated in the, in the skill category. So it's a very good effect. We're kind of coming back to the amount of initiative that Arena should have. For, for skill to be important, whereas we had too much before. And you'll see the same thing for card advantage, where uh, cards run out now, right? That's another thing you'll notice. Almost 
most games, rather than being decided by who's punching who to the face uh, first after a huge flip, which was the meta since Skullamance, um, now, like, half the games are determined by who runs out of cards first. Because if you run out of cards, and there's no big, like, board flippy stuff, you're, you're, you're just going to lose. Um, and, uh, and uh, yeah, like, when you had unlimited cards, you didn't have to manage your card advantage. Now, you do have to manage your card advantage in, like, half the games. Sometimes. So, it's, it's a lot more decisions to be making on every turn. You have to see the big picture of how this match is going to go much better than you needed to before, uh, before United and Storm and Rotation came out. Yep, agreed. That's it. That's, that's my comment. Um, okay. Yeah, the, the, okay. So, the thing I wanted to add to that is that there's no more flipping the board, like, at all. Uh, we used to talk about flipping the board. We really started talking about flipping the board after uh, Ashes of Outlands and then Skullamance um, because it became a much more important concept. Once you flip the board, you add a whole bunch of attack on the board, and then you go to your opponent's face, you put the pressure on, blah, blah, blah. But now we're back to how the game used to be, which is no flipping boards, like at all, just wiping boards. You still have your flame strikes. You still have your mass hysterias. You can still wipe your opponent's board and get rid of all of their tempo that they have built up, right? So that you can catch up. But once you wipe, you're not putting out much tempo yourself. Like, think of the difference between um, Shavera, which is six mana, deal six perfect damage potentially, and then put a six three on the board, and like Flame Strike, which could potentially erase a lot more stuff on the board, but. You end up with no board. You're not threatening your opponent at all. Your opponent will set up again as long as your opponent still has cards. So rather than being a reverse tempo push to the opponent's face play, all of these defensive plays are now card advantage plays. Which means if you are relying on board clears in a defensive manner, you need to also make sure that you are able to board clear or like somehow defend enough times to clear all of your opponent's card advantage. That is how you win. You are no longer winning by flipping the board. You are winning by attrition. You are winning by making them run out of resources before you because your one flame strike is taking out four of their cards. And, you know, in a game without that much card draw... Um, Actually, it's a decent card draw. Just without that much big stuff and that much like card advantage where cards actually run out. If your one card takes care of four of their cards, you do that two, two times, they're not going to recover from that from a card advantage perspective. So it's a totally different feel uh, to the game. And it means that if you're the aggressor, you don't have to worry as much about your own face damage, which frees you up to do a lot more things, like just kind of be more aggressive, as long as you have the card advantage to back it up. Yep. Keep going, because I, I know you got more stuff. Alright. Last point. Last point. Nah, not last point. Second to last point. I, we, we should have talked about a Discover when we were talking about the quality, but we'll, we'll get back to it. Quality is such a... Like, card quality is such a big thing running through this meta. Um, but before we get there... Uh, the curve in this meta, it's a, still a tempo meta, right? The curve is obviously very important. You miss a curve drop, you're, like, very far behind. So many games that I win with crap decks are just because my opponent missed a curve drop somewhere and I didn't and his cards are better than mine but he's down 3-4 mana for some reason and uh, and then I win and sometimes they miss a curve drop because they just don't play the card 
Like, it's like a three drop that they just didn't want to play on turn four, so they, like, they did random crap. Uh, you're going to lose the game like that. Don't do that. Don't do stuff like that. That's like, you can do that if you can flip the board later. But remember, no one can flip the board anymore. And I see this all the time for some reason with druids. You really can't do this with druids. So they're the best class right now, so you face up against a lot of druids. Um, and the druid win rate, I've consistently maintained, should be higher than it is right now based on how good the class is. It's at 54.5% right now. It was at 53.8% when I was playing on Friday. And I was like, people are just misplaying druid. So people are getting better at playing druid in this meta. And that win rate is going to keep going up. So it wasn't problematic on like Tuesday night, definitely not, but it's getting more and more problematic and you know, they're gonna need to hit the button at some time. But class balance is overall okay for, uh, uh, for, for the starting uh, expansion. But anyway, uh, getting back to, uh, to my point, you need to have a curve, but there are so many good one drops in the meta right now. So many good one drops and so few good other cards that you're going to be tempted to take a lot of stuff like Mermies, a lot of stuff like 1-mana one 1-3s. One and you really have to hold back on those cards. Because card advantage is also super important. And you can get in this trap of like getting like as many 1-drops, even if you don't mean to, you're just going to be offered them more often, and you're going to have less other choices that seem appetizing. Like I ended up with a lot of decks that had more 1-drops than I wanted to, and I suffered for them. And once I changed my drafting strategy to try to like cap myself at two one drops, you know, so that if I was forced to take the third one because the other two cards were total trash, I wouldn't be like totally done. Um, but to never go over like two if I had any other options at all, um, that my drafting got a lot better in this meta because I was able to get the correct like amount of, of card advantage in my deck, uh, which one drops now don't do. It's not like um, like one drops are no longer aug merchants, which are not really one drops, right? They're just one amount of cards that are like actually decent tempo and medium sized card advantage. Um, okay, so finally, let's get back to the quality thing. Discover, and this will link into uh, our next discussion, which is going to be about. Uh, the cards, because we rated a bunch of cards, and we were like 95% right, but we had what I think is a huge miss, um, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. Discover in general, I think if you were to look at our ratings for cards, they're, they're too low. All discovers across the board with one exception. Like, the more the card relies on the discover, the lower we had, like, rated it, basically. And, uh... That is because when you're discovering, it's never just discover a card. You're discovering from a certain pool of cards. And all of those pool of cards are better than what you're normally offered. Because you're offered crap in this meta. Like, the card quality has gotten down so low that discover is better than what we had, uh, what we had accounted for. Um, and just generally... The, the specific case in which this made the most difference is a Deep Run Engineer. So if you haven't been following things, um, Deep Run Engineer is a new card. And uh, Deep Run Engineer is a 2-mana 1-2, neutral, common, battle cry. Discover a mech. It costs 1-mana less. 
So altogether, it's like a one mana one two that discovers a mech, and you don't get that mana actually until you like it's two mana, right? So you don't get your other mana back until you actually play the mech. So unless it's done on the same turn, you're actually delaying your uh, your um, your your mana, which allows you to ramp in some rare cases. But for the most part, outside of maybe Claw Machine, if you're playing a Deep Run Engineer before turn five, which is kind of a bad idea. Um, you're not really like it, it seems like a super inefficient card and um, the mech pool has only one well, what I thought was only one premium mech in claw machine and then an okay mech in dirigible so we rated it a D as in definitely below Yeti it is not a D we were very wrong about that and I knew we were wrong before I played deep run engineer before I saw anyone else play Deep Run Engineer, before I heard any stories about Deep Run Engineer, certainly before any stats came out. I knew we were wrong as soon as I drafted a deck and faced some people. At which point I was like, man, cards suck, decks suck. They suck so much, all the Discover crap is gonna be wrong. And also, no one has any initiative. So all the Discover initiatives have to be freaking insane. Oh, what is discovering an initiative? Deep Run Engineer will discover you an initiative that is also a really good card almost all the time. So I was like, we're, we're so off on Deep Run Engineer. It's got to be, like at this point, I was convinced it was better than Yeti. Then I played more. And then I played with Deep Run Engineer, and I faced more Deep Run Engineers. And then I saw the HS win rate stats, which have Deep Run Engineer, I kid you not, I'm not making this up, it is the fifth best neutral in the game, and it is 0.1% percent below claw machine which is the best card by far that it can possibly discover so a one mana one two attached to a claw machine is almost as good as a claw machine and you're only going to get that claw machine like half the time the other half you're getting a worse card like an objectively worse card this makes zero sense, right? And you could potentially like totally miss and just get like total crap, right? It's it's not a high percentage, but there is percentages. Um, so, but but that's that's the win rate stats right now uh, on on HS replay. So and, and Murphs will tell you, you, you okay, Murphs, you can tell no, 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 us no, no, right what, now. Like, why. You're just going through this in a very long way. So where do you think it should be right now? Like you're you're doing this whole to be continued thing. So where yeah, do you yeah, think yeah, yeah. I'm it should be? I'm trying to tell the story of my evolution on thinking oh about Deep Run Engineer, and I'm not done with it yet. But why don't you tell us first why this stat is is wrong? Because I mean, obviously, Deep Run Engineer is not 0.1 percent worse than Claw Machine. Yeah. So look. At the end of the day, uh, for me, a lot of the HS replay stats are just weird. Like, how good is Parade Leader, right? Parade Leader is just one of the best neutrals in the game. I mean, it, it just is, right? And it's not like people are just drafting it for, uh, like, when they have a synergistic deck. People are just drafting it, period. Um, they might have some consideration later on. It's like, oh, man... Maybe I draft this instead of the other card because I do have a lot of rushes. But people are just like playing it too, right? So I've always looked at those win rates with a critical kind of eye. And I'm just like, eh, okay, you know, this is, uh, th this is just one of those things that I would take into consideration. Um, but I've played Deep Run Engineer a lot, and I've had it played against me a lot as well. 
I just don't see it. I just don't see the same thing that other people do. Now, this is why I'm, I'm saying it's important because, you know, you're going on and I think people are like, holy shit, so it's an S now? Um, no, so I think people are very no. curious about where you're ending up. But, but, but I'm not, I'm not getting to my, right. end of my story So for yet. me, let's, let's talk about the stats. So for me, I'm just like, okay, so we rate it a D. I could see it as like a C as in it's like Yeti. Like I, I could see it there. Um, I've just missed with it like a decent amount. And in other times, uh, yeah, like I'll get the dirigible and it will be good. Um, if I get the call machine, obviously it's amazing. Like we've never doubted that. If you get the call machine, it's mm-hmm. it's yeah. good, right? It's it's just but but good. it's still not as good as a claw machine. No, it's still not as good as a claw <laughs> machine that you would normally get because even you if you first, get a claw machine, like yes, it's a uh, cheap claw machine, but you played an overpriced one two, which is like the worst stat in the game. Yeah. Uh, a two mana one two is just trash. It's terrible. So. Having said that, I'm just like, I, and I played a lot of Arena. I played a lot of Arena. I'm like, I just don't really see it. I don't. Like, the the amount of times that you, like, you get Claw Machine a, quote, decent amount of times, depending on what class you are. Because some classes actually have a lot of mechs, which is not really a good thing. Um, You get it almost half the time. Yeah. yeah, Like, not not half, but like 40%. Okay. Um... And then the times in which I don't get it, I'm like, oh man, that really sucks. Like that, that actually just kind of sucks. Um, I just don't see the the, uh, the game changing effect that like, and and I understand, you know, like the initiative is lower and and, and all of that. Um, so for me, I'm just like, man, I play a lot. Like I've drafted and played just with Hunter itself five decks already. Uh, I've played multiple mages. Like I, I've played a lot. Like the most I've played mm-hmm. probably like over a year in the same period of time um so for me i'm just like i'm playing i'm, I'm drafting a decent amount just because decks always suck right so i'm not even like yeah. oh i guess i'll pick engineer i'm like all right well i'm picking engineer yeah. over on like whatever that yeah. four mana oh nine is I, I remember yesterday um Drez and i were presented with like desert obelisk for like oh god <laughs> it's just actual cannot pick might as well have bugged out and giving you one less slot you know like just Mm -hmm. a lot of those things so um that is one of the things that is interesting so even a card that is like a c tier right uh which is like in my opinion what what deep run engineer is um i'm like oh yeah i'm very happy to pick a lot of times because some of your selections are just total crap and then some other ones you know you will get like something amazing right like if you're a warrior mm. you'll get something like a class card or like a sword eater and you're just like holy shit this is an oasis in the desert mm-hmm. here or you will get something like a yasera normally in any class and you're like oh my god this is like this has always been amazing but now compared to uh all the crap that's just being offered it is amazing so um yeah for me i think it is a little bit better like just a little bit better than what it was before but just having played with and against this so many times, I'm like, no. Nah. Like, all right, so here, here's where we are similar. I think we are both similar in that uh, we think it's not a D. I think all it's right. a C. But before, okay, before you... we get to what we think, because I haven't told people what I think yet, mm-hmm. uh, like, let, let, me, let me tell people what I think. Um, so what I was fishing for, which I did not get, is about HS replay stats. Is that there's there's some things that are just built into systemically built into HS replay stats that make it wrong 
it's wrong in almost all cases, but by different margins, right? Sometimes it's so small. Like we use HS replay for a reason because for a lot of cards, the margins are so small that we don't really care too much. Like who cares if it's 0.2% higher or lower than what it should be. But for certain other cards, it's like just totally off, right? Like one of the ones that we're like very, this is from the previous one where um, in, in Barons, like we rated, what did we rate? Uh, we rated South Sea Scoundrel as an A tier. And its stats don't show A tier, but we always said the stats were not going to show A tier for South Sea Scoundrel because it's a really freaking complicated card knowing like when to play if you're not playing on turn four. And even if you are playing on turn four, it's a little complicated knowing what card you should pick to give your opponent and to give yourself, right? It's like a lot of complexity in there. And these are average players. You've seen how bad average players are. Like they're going to get it wrong more often than right. It's a huge huge statement and we'll come back to how bad average players are now like i said with reactive cards average players are almost as good as good players because they're just such easy cards to play there's no skill in playing a shadow bolt with initiative cards right so i trust stuff like claw machine win rates i trust stuff a little less but still decent amount like dark moon dirigible win rates i trust stuff a little less when it comes to just a curve card Especially if the curve card has some kind of ability that doesn't trigger all that often because then people start holding whatever. The case that we keep bringing up is that for the longest time, like literally over two years uh, after the game came out, Acetic Swamp Ooze was rated low, was, was, had a lower win rate than uh, uh, Bloodfriend Raptor. Which is not just an inferior card, but like such an inferior card. But it had a lower win rate because people against weapon classes would just like hold on to the swamp booze and not play it for tempo, which is usually wrong. Um, but like weird stuff happens, right? So one of the things that uh, consistently and Deep Run Engineer has a really bloated win rate because it's fitting into two of these kind of uh, kind of kind of issues. Um, well, it's actually fitting into three of them, but one I think is less of a problem. But, but two big ones. One is that it's RNG. If RNG and you get a really bad result, it's really bad for a good player. Because they can't do stuff with a bad card. If I get a bad card from Deep Run Engineer, I can't play that card. And no one can play that card for like five turns, six turns, whenever I'm like kind of running out of options. Which means I'm down an option. And options are how you become how good players express themselves, right? Because you literally can't do anything in the game besides play your options. Now, a bad player having one fewer option is not as bad. That's pretty basic. And on top of that, this is RNG, and RNG is equal to all people. So it's all 50%. Like, well, sorry, it's all equal, right? Whereas if it's a pure skill card, then the good player will be better with it. Whereas RNG, I'm going to miss a claw machine as often as the worst player in the world is going to miss a claw machine. Um, so that makes it significantly worse right off the bat here for good players compared to average players. And, and conversely, it makes it even better for bad players. Like if you're a one-win player, this card's even better than this win rate shows. Um, far, more than that, the two good cards that you're going to be picking most of the time from Deep Run Engineer are Dirigible and Claw Machine. And remember, you're not going to play it for curve for the most part. You're almost always going to use it for initiative. So you have two initiative cards that are really good and really easy to play. So again, much better for bad players than they are for good players. 
with both of these together, the third element, which is uh, it's a smaller consideration, but I think it's still a significant consideration, and it it really like I don't think it's highlighted enough. I don't think people like analyze HS replay stats that hard with these reasons anymore. They just kind of like take it because people like stats, but missing a two drop is much worse for a good player than for a bad player. Remember what I was talking about options? If you have a minion on the board that sticks around for a turn, you will always have an additional decision to make compared to if you don't. You have to go face or you have to hit a minion, and if there's multiple targets, you have none on a taunt, you can choose which one to target. If you have removals, you can choose to do which one's first. A lot of complexity opens up if you just have one minion on the board. Or one more minion on the board. All this nuance is mostly lost on average players. Like, the difference between a good player and an average player, even if the good player's win rate is like double that of an average player, is not that a good player is twice as good as an average player. A good player is like 10,000 times as good as an average player. Just to get that plus 50% win rate. Uh, sorry, just to get that plus 100% win rate. Because you have to think about a bajillion more things and correctly decide each one of them. So, that extra minion on the board opens up so many possibilities. It's why things like Viofiend, for example, that like dodge and like don't give you those options for uh, more turns, like have a higher win rate than almost anybody thinks they should, right? Like, there are good players who love Viofiend, and it's a very good card. Uh, but nobody thinks it should have the win rate that it does, which always puts it as, like, the best card in the game or, like, one of the top, like, two or three best cards in the game. And it's not, like, that good. It's very good. It's no one, no no serious good player thinks it's, like, a top three card in the game. But but its win rate is very consistent, right? So Deep Run Engineer also has that quality where bad players play it on turn two. They sometimes play it on turn two when they have a two drop. Uh, Even if they don't, it's just sometimes you have to play it on turn two, right? Because you have the card in your hand. And when you have to do that, as a good player, you've lost a certain percentage of your win rate. And as a bad player, you lose a much smaller percentage of that win rate. So all three of these factors, which is uh, the actual RNG-ness of, uh, uh, of this card, the fact that most of the time you're picking initiative, and the fact that you're making less decisions because you're going to have a less relevant drop uh, and that less relevant card on the board. It's somewhat mitigated by the fact that Discover itself is a bit skill testing. I think Discover's skill testingness is generally like exaggerated, especially in the case of something like Mech. You're not I even like, discovering a spell. Yeah. You're discovering a Mech. Like they're all kind of the same. You know when you need initiative, you know when you need a big thing. Like this is not rocket science. Um so, uh, like, yeah, that's a mitigation. People, like, I mean, never underestimate how bad average players are. They're going to make mistakes here and there. But they're, for the most part, going to make the right choice of which one to pick. Um, so, yeah. All of those is bloating this win rate relative to how good this card really is. And I'm breaking this down here because we're going to break it down more for some of the... Uh, uh, well, actually, probably just one other card um, on, on the win rate side. But do not look at HS win rate stats and think... This is pretty much it. It could be like, you know, 0.2% off or 0.3% off, but it's pretty much it. HS replay cards are like 0.2 or 0.3% off on many cards, and that's it. But the ones that they're not, that they're off more than that on, they could be off a lot more. 
And there are a significant number of them. I would say a quarter, at least at least 15% at absolute lowest, but probably up to a quarter of the cards. HS replays win percent compared to uh, like true good player win percent would be more than 0.5% off, which is a huge difference. And if you know how to analyze stats and you know how the game of Hearthstone works, you know which cards these are. These, it's not it's not hidden, right? It's not like HS Replay is trying to pull the wool over your eyes and like you know like misleads you. They're just giving you the stats that they got. It's up to you, being an informed analytical person, to be able to tell when these stats are exaggerated and in what directions they're exaggerated by knowing how the game works. Like. This is not like, oh, HS Replay makes bad stats. No, they're, they're presenting you exactly what they're getting. But their source is average players. And that is a gigantic bias in this game. If that were not a gigantic bias in this game, good players would not win that much. Like, there does not need to be more proof that HS Replay stats are highly skewed than the fact that good players win more games than bad players. Okay, with that being said... Circling back, Murps think this this is what like roughly a yeti. Yeah, I think it's like a C. Yeah, like a C. Yeah, roughly a yeti. Okay, so a little better than a yeti, right? Yeti's the bottom of the C. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like I mean, it's a, about a yeti. Um, about a yeti. Okay. Right. Like depending on your needs, you may take it or a yeti. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Like depending on my needs and the and you know where we are in the draft and everything uh so for me it is around there and once again a yeti is not great like that it is not good yeah um okay so i think that between the fact that this card is existing like that claw machine is is such a hugely like we were talking about earlier right the good cards in this game right now are so much better than the average cards in this game and so much better than the average cards in in your deck that having a claw machine be 40 percent of the discover pool is is pretty good even for a good player and on top of that because the overall power level has dropped so much and because most classes are so starved for initiative dark moon dirigible right now one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Is the seventh highest win rate neutral in the game. Dark Moon Dirigible, number seven. Now, Dark Moon Dirigible is a really good card. We rated it a B plus. We still think it's a B plus. But should it be number seven? I think in most metas, it won't make the top ten. Even on HS replay stats. But in this meta, I believe it. It's super good. It gives you that initiative that you need, especially if you're not like a ping class. Uh, and they got rid of all the Aug Merchants. So rather than what I had previously viewed Dark Moon Dirigible, which is, hey, a Dark Moon Dirigible, like, I guess on curve would be four, but that's really weird if you're playing the Engineer on four. That's very risky. So Dark Moon Dirigible would usually not come out on curve, and then it loses some of its value. So if you're discovering it from a dark, deeper on Engineer, it's probably only a B, if that, if not like a C+. Plus. Uh, the Dark Moon Dirigible itself on the value. But seeing how this meta plays out, like without even, this is all before I like, you know, touched too much of Deep Run Engineer. I was like, okay, Dark Moon Dirigible is going to be a really good card in this meta. And even outside, out of a Deep Run Engineer, it's going to be a really good card. So between that, Dark Moon Dirigible is much better than I expected. And in many cases, you will actually take a Dark Moon Dirigible over a Claw Machine. Why? Because you just need the initiative on that turn and you don't have enough mana to play Claw Machine on the same turn. Um, 
or uh, you know that you're going to need it later and they have a whole bunch of small things and they don't have a big thing and you need like your tempo, right? Because claw machine doesn't get you much tempo. Um, between Dark Moon Dirigible and Claw Machine, you're now hitting definitely over 50% of your discovers. You're probably hitting like 60% of your discovers. You're going to get one of those two. And those two are both elite cards in this meta. Um, so that, like, I would rate this card either a high B or a low B plus. Uh, the, uh, the, the Deep Run Engineer, which... It's um, very high. That's very high, yeah. That would put it around, like, below Sunwell Initiate. Sunwell Initiate would be a, a, a high B+, plus, I think is where we ended with it. Um, but maybe somewhere around, I don't know, I'm trying to look down the list and see where, where, we would end, where we would end up with it. Probably somewhere around Encumbered Pack Mule? Does that seem right? Uh, yeah, yeah, it... it... Like, I mean, according to our thing, that's where yeah. it would end up for you. Yeah, like somewhere around a pack mule level, which is pretty damn good. That would be nowhere near where I rate what we rated a D, obviously. So I think that's a big miss for us. And Murps think it's a it's a it's a smaller miss. Yeah. I mean, okay. So now you can you can you can go. Now that I've I've done I'm done setting up my reasons for why one HS replay is wrong, but two, like we missed it harder than HS replay. I think. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, for me, like, uh, like I said before, uh, we both agree that it should be higher, but we are off significantly. So remember, mm -hmm. according to our kind of, um, scale, especially if I'm kind of like a lower-ish C and Adulta mm -hmm. is like basically pushing a B plus, we're off by like, what, 100 points? Is that... Yeah. Yeah, we're off by. No, like, no, 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 no. We're not going to off by hundred points. No, you would be at like a one hundred. I would be at like a one sixty-five, maybe. We're off by like. 65. Oh yeah, yeah. You're not actually a B plus. You're pushing a B plus. So yeah, yeah. yeah. It's we're about the highest 60. B or lowest B yeah. plus. So right? so we're off by like sixty points maximum. Yeah, probably uh, on the old there. Life Forge scale, which is still a crap ton of which points. Still when you're talking points. about the one hundreds, right? Yeah, which is still a lot of points. Um. I, I will just see. Like, it, it's interesting that you were talking about, it's like, oh, um, uh, you know, like, you kind of just need that initiative. Um, and I was just thinking the entire time, because you just talked about how, um, like, whenever I play something like a Deep Run Engineer, if I don't hit the thing, right, if I don't hit mm -hmm. the thing... Um, it's very bad. It's very bad. I'm just like, yeah. crap. And sometimes I'm just like, well, do I take the chance? Do I not take the chance? Um... And no matter what, like, whenever I'm playing it, if you don't hit, the damage is done. You've played a two-mana one-two, right? Like, mm -hmm. that's that's pretty freaking bad there. So I just hate that. Like, I, I, I hate when that happens. Because um, if you're a bad player or just an average player, it's like, oh, can I get, you, you know, can I snatch victory from the jaws of defeat? Or, you know, sort of can I snatch victory from an even game? And when you're a good player, it's like, can I prevent defeat or can I kind of basically do what I'm supposed to do, which is win? Uh, and whenever I play the engineer and then if I get the claw machine, like there have been some times when I need the claw machine and I'm able to get it. And I'm like, oh, man, that's been great. 
But there have been other times in which it's like if I don't get it and I needed it, well, that sucked, but I guess I was going to lose anyways. But all those times in between, I'm like, man, this this just like really doesn't do it. Uh, even when I pick the dirigible, I'm like, okay, you know, and I do get some good uses out of it. But like overall, when, when I'm kind of evaluating how much did it help me win, how much it's like, would I have won anyways? Um, and then, of course, on the flip side, if I attribute the loss to it, you know, would I have lost mm -hmm. anyways and all of that? I'm just like not that impressed with the card still. Maybe maybe I'll play mm -hmm. more with it and everything, but um, I like how you went through all the factors that yeah. at least and keep in mind all the factors have lowered the percentage. The current win rate of Deeper Engineer is 58.3. The current win rate of our comparison card, where I think it is, which is Encumbered Pack Mule, is 57.0. So I've dropped a 1.3% in win rate based on the factors that I talked about and that you, you, know, you also talked about. Like, that's a huge drop, but that's still really good, right? Because the win rate is so freaking insane for, a, a, for HS Replay for this card. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is just very, very insane. So uh, with a card... With a card like for that comparison, has... if you drop it another, if you drop it uh, another one point three percent from Encumber Pack Mule, you get like Cheaty Ankle Biter and Anoyotron. Like, that's how big one point three percent win rate on HS Replay is. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like I, I've always uh, looked at it with a skeptical eye in terms of HS Replay stats. Um, it was good that you went through all of the factors. It's like what might push a card to be a little bit more inaccurate in terms of just looking at the stats than others. I, I'm just not a believer yet. Um, but if you're out there, so, so the takeaway is, I think both of us agree, um, D was too low for it. Uh, mm -hmm. I would bump it a little bit higher. Adokto would bump it uh, a decent amount higher. Uh, but the two takeaway points is that, um, you know, number one, we'll both bump it higher. Number two, we both also agree is nowhere near where it is right now, which is like yeah. right behind Venomous Scorpid, which I think everyone would look at that and be like, no, <laughs> no, because I mean, Scorpid, the initial body is so much better uh, uh, it's it's 0.5 percent below venomous scorpid it's not right below venomous scorpid there's still clown and claw machine between the two but it's very close to scorpid i mean much closer yeah. than for comfort uh it's it's 0.1 percent above dark spear berserker um which is hugely overrated uh because you know it's an easy to play card you know what you don't have to worry about when you're talking about a curve card is when one is super over-tempoed, right? Like, you worry less when curve cards are over-tempoed and under-tempoed. Bad players can do fine with over-tempoed cards. Bad players can do fine with under-tempoed cards because they're just expected to be bad, right? Or they're just going to dominate everything else on the board anyway. Good players are better, and their skill shows through, with, like, your Yetis, with your, like, Lost Hall Striders. Yep. Um, so that's, okay. that's where we are with Deep yeah. Run Engineer, and I think it's interesting um, uh, because it really just highlights a lot of the themes uh, with, with the expansion. Um, but really, I, I mean, looking at all of these cards, um, all right, well, we'll just move on. What, yeah, else we'll did, move on. Yeah, what else did you want to talk about in terms of individual yeah, so, cards? Yeah, I'll talk about an individual card after this, but a similar card uh, is Pandaren Importer. 
not as similar because you don't have that small pool with known initiative and all that but it is a discover card and so i think we did rate it a little low but not that much lower and the stats like are fully aligned with like more or less what we rated it like we rated it a, a b it's probably a b plus in this meta like all discover cards basically it's like move it up half a tier on our tier list and if it's like low move it up maybe one whole tier like that includes i remember me and Murbs had this like long discussion about paladin's blessed goods and we ultimately went with c plus but Murbs will probably give it a b it's it's a b if not a b plus like i played with that card i had two in my deck it was like the only thing freaking carrying me discover a weapon so good like way better than i thought it was gonna be because i didn't think the meta would be this bad in terms of quality right so some of the ones you really get higher right like it depends on what the pool is when the pool is other spells that's not as good as a guaranteed weapon so it only moves up half a tier, right? Guaranteed weapon, really good, right? Just like guaranteed dirigible or claw machine, not guaranteed, like 60% claw machine or dirigible, really good, right? That moves up a lot too. It's, it's stuff like that. Um, and we won't go through every uh, every one of them. And I don't really consider Pandaren Importer a miss. It's like a half, half tier off. Um, but um, so yeah, I think on the neutrals, our, our one miss is Deep Run Engineer. And I think it's one that everybody missed because it's hard to see the entire meta play out. And that's what you really have to do to be able to get Deep Run Engineer anywhere near like a B plus tier or a B tier, wherever it like, you know, or, or even like, I don't know, like a C, yeah, I think you could reasonably conclude it's a C tier even without the meta. Um, like I, I can see other people making that conclusion, but you're never going to get this high of a win rate without knowing the meta, like, down. And again, we keep saying, it's possible to predict some of the meta, but because Blizzard controls the win rates, it is now always impossible, like, controls the offering rates, it is now always impossible to predict the precise meta, which we were able to do before micro adjusts. <sighs> okay. So the card we're actually, we actually want to talk about um, after uh, Deep Run Engineer is what I believe is the best neutral card of the set still, and is what we call the best neutral card of the set, and it's Battlegrounds Battlemaster, and uh, it is, uh, like, spoiler alert if you haven't watched our, our massive seven hour plus United and Stormwind card review thread, but we thought that that one was A tier, the only one in A tier, in uh, low A tier, maybe even lowest A tier, but, but, but A tier. Um, and, uh, and nothing else in this set came close. Well, uh, on the win rates, it is not doing super good. It's doing about a B plus, I would say, like maybe even a low B plus. It's at 56.9%. Uh, so like a B plus rather than an A. So it's not like, like even on HS replay, it's not like we were that far off. Um, but it's tied with clearly, Mermy. yeah, it's tied with Mermy. Um, this is the thing. I'm but, just like, okay, so Mermy is <laughs> like Mer Mermy is uh, fifty, basically fifty seven percent win rate. Uh, I'll I'll talk about Mermy afterwards. <laughs> There's a reason Mermy's so good, uh, and, and I get it as it, well. It, but it, like, it's it, just one of those things. I'm just like, okay, like, yeah. All like, right. The Mermy win rate is only somewhat inflated. It's not as inflated as you think, like as people might think it is. There's a good reason why it's Mermy and not Argent Squire there. Let me just put it out. Um, all right, so Battlegrounds Battlemaster, 57% win rate. Um, I think if we, if it were an A, it would probably, I would, like having played with it, I would put it 
below a hog rancher, which is at 58%, and above a rap golem, which is at 57.8%. And so I think it should be around that, like, hog rancher, rap golem-like level. Rap golem is solid B+. Uh, got a little better in this meta, so maybe it's, like, top of B+, but I still don't think it's an A, and this card is, like, the lowest A, so it'll get there. Hog Rancher in this meta, I think, is an A. It goes with my uh, Dirigible comment. Dirigible was a B plus in previous metas. It's an A in this meta. Claw Machine is an A, like a high A in this meta. It was, like, a mid-A in previous metas. All your initiative cards go up. Uh, and Battlegrounds Ma Battlemaster sort of gives initiative, sometimes, rarely, but it's not an initiative card. And... The reason that its win rate is so low, and this is after having played with it and having played against it. And when I say having played against it, I mean most times I see it played, I'm like, what are you doing? So I know people are playing it wrong. And having played with it, uh, I can tell you, you don't play it on 5. It's a 5 mana 5-5. Five, five. Why would you play it on 5? That's a terrible idea. Like, you have to be out of other cards that are playable in order to play this on 5. Like, think of it as a utility card. A 5 mana 5-5 five, five is worth, like, almost nothing on our tier list. Most of the stat... It's like a... Like, it's hard to think of a 5 mana 5-5 five, five with an ability as an ability with a body attached to it. But that's what Battlegrounds Battlemaster is. It's an ability that has a small body attached to it. That can be used as an absolute backup 5-drop if you absolutely have to. And people don't play it that way. And they're, like, definitely wrong about that. Because this is the ability that will end games. And this is an ability that scales by, one, having the board, which good players are more likely to do. Two, being able to know when to push face, which it w it's a huge understatement to say good players know more than bad players how to do this. This is a skill that bad players rate negatively in. Like, I might say bad players, I mean average players. Like, bad players are better at doing this than average players. Like, the... the the average of HS replay of capturing those people who care enough to use a uh, deck tracker but are generally not like you know the best players averaging like four maybe four and a half wins per run is like the worst it's like this valley of people who are, like are going to get this card super super wrong um and uh, anyway and that's because it you have to know when you need to go face to set up the card and then you need to know when to play the card so you may think, well, if it's a Wind Fury and you want to go face, you just play the card and it's reach and you end the game, right? Simple enough. This doesn't seem like rocket science. No. It's a persistent ability. If you're just using it to win the game, you're using it wrong. You need to use it the turn before you win the game, which involves you knowing the turn you win the game, playing it the turn before you win the game, and the turn before that setting up your win of the game. So you need to be planning three turns in order to play this card. And that is in almost every circumstance that you will want to play this card. Does this sound like a card that average players are going to play right remotely close to half the time? Yeah. Um, the, it is not. The way that I see... Uh, so, first of all, I agree with that assessment. We had discussions about this um, on Arena HS... Um, yeah, and even before that, we yeah. called this on on our Lightforge like thing in yeah, our card we preview. We said this would be a low win rate on HS replay relative to how good it is because it was very obvious, right? This card, people are not going to be good with the it. The way I see this card is the same way that I see 
Um, it, it, I don't know about now because I haven't checked recently, but uh, especially uh, in previous metas and when it first came out, uh, Jandis in Battlegrounds, um, uh, actual Battlegrounds, not Battleground Battlemaster. Um, and there was a lot of similarities to these two. First of all, there was always the disparity, um, and for Battlegrounds, you know, we had additional tools. You could see uh, top one percent, you know, like top one percent that use like the the, the tool, right, um, and have like really high MMR. Uh, their win rate with Jandis versus just the people that use the tool, which are still pretty good, right? And it was a huge discrepancy because Jandis was like number one versus kind of middle of the pack, like not yeah. great. And part of the and Jandis wasn't just number one. Jandis was like number one, number one. Yeah, yeah. In in some metas, but but you know, Jandis was always good for a long time, right? Jandis yeah. was always very good um, because it tested some of these same skills. Um, and the most important one is turn planning. And understanding the uh, like an overall game plan. First of all, you had mm -hmm. to understand the overall game plan. You had to understand for Jandis um, how you were going to use that hero power on this turn, and then think ahead. It's like so on the next turn, I hero power again to swap. I do it again, and then on that turn, I level. And then what? Do I hold an additional turn? Do I play it? If I have two tokens, how do I handle the swaps for that? And you might think of it um, like if you play both, and you might be like, "Well, wait, I, I don't." You know, these are two different game game modes that test very different skills. In some ways, yes, but in this situation, it's very, very similar. As in, you want to understand the overall game plan, you want to know exactly what you're doing on this turn, and you want to think about how it impacts your future turns, as in, like, you, you need to have it all planned out. This is st good stuff that good players want to be doing anyways, number one, but it is also a skill that really only the tippy-top players in any game yeah. mode really do, but it is a skill in which it is necessary to extract the maximum value out of either Battleground Battlemaster or Jandis and, and BGs. tippy-top, he literally means, like, less than the top 1%. Yeah. Like, so we're no longer differentiated. We're not talking about average players or good players or, like, you know... We're talking about, like, the proven infinite player level. The proven infinite player level or the, uh, you know, like, we're talking about the, the leaderboard. You know, all the street, yeah, the like BG the streamers board And people watching. who would get on the leaderboard if they played enough runs, right? Right. Or, like, they played enough runs and made them consecutive and only picked the best classes, right? Basically, they could get on the leaderboard if they wanted to. Yeah. So... With Battlegrounds Battlemaster, um, my experience has been, first of all, I don't see the card very often. <laughs> or yeah. as, as often as I... Uh, I mean, to be fair, I don't see Deep Run Engineer very often either. Uh, I see that a lot, actually. I don't know why. I see, <laughs> really? I see that one a lot. Um, the experiences with Battlegrounds Battlemaster is always going to be... And I said this during the review. The standard deviation is going to be a little bit higher than that mm -hmm. uh, of... Fungalmancer. And once again, I think people are a little bit confused. It's like, wait, that's impossible. Fungalmancer can just be a 5-mana 2-2. Two, two. And it's like, first of all, you're not going to play as a 5-mana 2-2, two, two, like ever. Um, and second of all, the ceiling uh, of Battlegrounds Battlemaster is so insane. Like, just so insane. Super high. Uh, there that... are so many games. Like, just think about how many games that you're playing, and then you think, if my opponent has a Battleground Battlemaster and knows how to play it, I will lose the game. And then you go on to win the game. Yeah, that happens to me like every other game that I win. Yeah, um, <laughs> and in our Discord as well, people are just posting these games in which it's like, okay, well, 
I lost the Battlegrounds Battlemaster, or I won because of Battlegrounds Battlemaster um, in a game in which I shouldn't have won. And uh, I think the Battlemaster gets a bad rep um, in terms of people calling it a win more card. Uh, do you need a board? Yeah, you obviously do. Um, I, I talked about this before, but I, I always feel the need, like, okay, next time you hear someone say this is a win more card, can we collectively as a community kind of like poke them and, and let them stop it? Because that saying, there's just so much misinformation jam-packed into there that it's frustrating. Um, number one, uh, basically 90 8% of all good cards are kind of win win more cards. <laughs> um, there's only a, a, like a, a handful of cards in the game that are like win when losing cards, and that's why they are so good. Um, number two, win more cards does not mean you have 100% won the game and this does nothing for you. It means... It's not an overkill card. It's not an overkill card. It just means you were in an advantageous position and this closes out the game. Imagine um, you had 75% chance to win the game, and this card made you have 95. Holy crap, you've gained 80% extra chance to win the game. Pretty good. Super good card, right? No, people will be like, well, I was going to win the game anyway, most likely. And then they're done, right? They're not like, oh, but what percentage did I have before, and what percentage did I have after? We're, no one's saying that you weren't favored to win the game before, and you probably would have won before. No one's saying that you needed this card necessarily to win. But if it ups the percentage... You got to take that percentage into account the exact same as the percentage from when you have 50% chance to win the game or like 20% chance to win the game. Yeah, so let's kind of get that phrase out of here. Unless it is, you know, you know I was going to say unless there are, no, there's basically no examples that I can think of um, in which that that phrase um, is appropriate. So let's just get that out of the way right now, okay? I'm going to make this a campaign. Get win more. So what, what, what would you replace it with? Because people want an easy phrase to mention the kind of card that is better from an advantageous position and no, the thing worse is, from a disadvantageous no, position. No, I don't want to replace right? that phrase because when people use it, all they want is some sort of like catchphrase that they can use to dismiss the card. Um... So it's like, I don't think people are even trying to use it in some constructive way, you know? Um, but yeah, look, listen, I, I can go into the lab. I can think of something. I'm sure someone out there can think of something. But I hope we can all agree that uh, that phrase, at, at least the way that most people are using it right now, is so inappropriate. As in, it's just not helpful. It's not helpful mm -hmm. at all. Um, because of the reason that I'm listed. And it's just sort of like, um, I, I think that assumption that I, I, I talked about has been baked in so much. Like, yeah. the assumption is like, oh, you have already won the game, therefore you don't need it, in terms of win more. Um, mm -hmm. In which case, I'm like, how do we get here? You know, how do we get from like, oh, you, you had to have already have won and then we, we got here because people describe it like that because they want to convey a complicated idea and they want to dumb it down but then the message that comes across is the dumb idea not the original more sophisticated idea yeah. so then when sophisticated people are trying to communicate something they now feel like comfortable dumbing it down to that degree and then all the message gets lost because everyone's doing it so i agree in getting rid of the term but i think we need a more sophisticated term to describe Better from advantageous positions, worse from disadvantaged positions. 
Because that's what win more is shorthand for. Uh, Even it, though that's not what it like technically means, right? And that's not what I think a lot of people interpret it as. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. So that's sort of my rant there. But um, yeah, I don't like the fact that Battlemaster is in the arena. Uh, I don't like its standard deviation, you know, in terms of effect. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just, I really don't like it. Um there's a lot of things I just don't like about it, uh, and I'm I'm not sure what the solution is uh, unless you just kind of get rid of it. Because um, so here here's my hot take: I don't think you need to do anything about it because people are so bad with it that it's never going to be a problem, and Blizzard will never get rid of it because people are so bad with it, and they're not going to become that much better with it. They're going to become better with it. Like I think people will learn a bit, but not by that much, not by so much that it becomes a problem that Blizzard will do something about. Because Blizzard is not concerned about us. Blizzard is concerned about the average players. And on HS Replay, this card is a 57% win rate next to Mermy. They're not banning Mermy. They're not banning Battlegrounds Master, uh, Battlemaster. And as you said, you don't even see it that often. Even though it's a neutral card. It's a neutral common card. You don't see it that often. Why? Because people ain't drafting it. Yep. So, that's, that's where we're at. I, I, I still don't like having it in the game I mean, it's, uh, it's terrible in the game <laughs> i'm totally on your side here it's super bad for the meta of the game it is um, not good yep but in the same way that like a legendary card you never like super complain about right i mean this isn't legendary but it's like uh it, it has that kind of like flavor right if no one's picking it and when they do pick it they don't use it in a way that it's that toxic most of the time <sighs> yeah okay so that's that's where we're at i guess Alright, so the, the rest of the cards, I actually went through all the cards, and we rated all the rest of the cards correctly to HS replay win rates. I just, I just, because, you know, I'm not talking to other people, like, Murps is, like, co-oping with Dreads and whatever, and, like, looking at our, our, our Discord and talking to other good players. Uh, I'm not. Yeah, um, I know you're not. <laughs> I just, I'm not. I'm not about talking to people these days. I, um, these days? Okay. Only these, these days, huh? These years. These years. These decades, um, this life, <laughs> these lives—you don't know. I, I I don't know. You are correct. I don't know. Okay. Uh, all right, but uh, but I am looking at HS replay stats, and uh, the other neutrals are all. I mean, even Battlemaster is within the range, right? Battlemaster on HS replay would be a B plus. We'd say it's an A. It's not that big of a deal. But I re really thought we had to highlight it because it is the best card of this set, and if you are a good player you will change your game and become better at the game until you are able to use this card to its more or less full potential because it exists and and it's a big difference maker um from a, a from a, a game development perspective and a balance perspective from blizzard i could see them saying this is not that big of a deal it's really not like up to the toxicity level of the cards they banned in the past um yeah it's it is just a very 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 toxic card like the the problem is uh, so many times you can think about it for a second as in okay well if they have the battle master i die mm -hmm. however if i trade like you can't trade yeah like always play as if they don't have the battle master right but then if they have it it's so yeah, much damage lose. yeah it's like so yeah. much damage then i can kind of uh, afford to account for for five mana 
But if I trade in this situation, I definitely lose. So it's like, okay, mm -hmm. and then they... Even if you don't definitely lose, I will almost... Like, unless I'm hugely up, I will not sacrifice anything and let them beat me by having a Battlemaster. Because people don't have Battlemasters. They don't really draft Battlemasters. And they are uncomfortable playing Battlemasters. And sometimes, even though I know that if they had a Battlemaster and they played it here and they went face, I would lose or have a very good chance of losing. They don't know that, so they don't play the Battlemaster. Or, as happens so often, they play the Battlemaster and then trade. Like, the amount of times I've seen a correctly played Battlemaster is like one Literally one. I've seen it played on five when a better five drop was available because they played it later on or a combination of a two and a three drop. I've seen it played like when they could have done anything else in the later game because they didn't have a board. But at that point, I guess it doesn't matter if they misplayed or not. They had already lost. I've seen it played with stuff on the board and then they trade when they would have won the game if they went face. Like, I've just seen all sorts of misplay. Like, this card is, is it's a very sensitive card, right? I, I liken it to, like, Merp's Hunter, in that there's one turn. If you don't choose this turn to go face, you've lost the game. But if you choose the right turn to go face, you have a very high win rate. Like, that's, that's Battlemaster. Now, if we assume perfect play, super good card. If we assume 75% correct play, which is, you have to be a very good player to be able, like, a very good player to be able to use Battlemaster correctly 75% of the time. Um, this is not that great of a card. Like, at that point, we're, we're no longer an A card. We're already in a B-plus B card territory. So, this is just a high-ceiling card. Um, so, yeah, on the other neutrals, they're all good uh, that we said were good. Uh, just to go down, uh, we had Encumber... Everything we rated B or above, right? Or just really just B and B-plus is Encumber Pack Mule, Pandarian Importer, Enthusiastic Banker, Nobleman, uh, Traveling Merchant... Actually, hold on. Maybe not Nobleman. I did not... Did I, did we, am I reading this wrong? Did we read Nobleman at B? What is Nobleman? I did not check up this card. I thought I did, but I didn't. So now nobleman. I don't know if I've just kind of like made a statement and Nobleman we've actually maybe... Like is getting a lower win rate than it should. Uh, we, rated it it, we rated it a B, Nobleman. Yeah, but what is it? Nobleman? It's the... Yeah. Uh, copy a gold card or like make a copy into oh a it's make a copy of a gold card oh i played that with that a lot that's a really good card yeah is it getting what's its win rate i don't know i thought you were looking at it i i am looking at it it's not like here is it actually super lowly rated it can't be that lowly rate even if it's oh my god its win rate is 454 percent like i don't understand that because yeah it takes some skill to play the card it doesn't take that much skill to play the card Mm, no, it kind of does. It, the, the sample size is a bit low, though. It's an epic card. Its sample size is below 7,000, um, which is pretty damn low. Um, but So maybe it'll come up. I'm going to put an asterisk on that. But I played with that card in two of my decks. I think it's a B still. Um, no no hesitation there. You, you know what uh, immediately makes me really sad about like the, the players that, that are tracking this? Players are keeping noblemen 54% of the time in the mulligan. Oh my what? god, stop it, guys. What? Please stop. Like, oh my god. So if you ever see people defend HS replay and they're like pointing at cards and they're like, well, in this card people may have been doing it right. The type of players they're gathering this data from are the exact 
same players. Not like, we're not like profiling here. These are literally the same players who take Nobleman and keep oh, it in their hands. 50, more than half of more the HS half. replay players, which, so these are wow. players that went out, downloaded a tool, like a tracking tool, and are kind of serious about this kind of stuff. If you guys forget, Nobleman is a three mana two three. Three mana two three is one of the worst stat lines in the game, which is like how two mana one two is one of the and, worst and stat lines. And on top of that, game. it doesn't even like draw you a card. It copies a random card in your hand. So, so it's much better later on. This card, like we talked about, there's so many things that you have to consider, right? Um, uh-huh. and, and like you know, you want to use it later on. You know, you you want to copy I, that. I have it in uh, in one in one of my eleven slash twelve win decks that's going to go on YouTube uh, next week, and you can see how I used it, and it was very good, and I did not have good cards to copy. Yeah, sometimes you just need to copy a bigger card, right? And then mm-hmm. you can choose to do that, or sometimes you're like, wait, I have one of the only initiative cards. Maybe I want to copy that. Um, yep, or the only taunt cards. But yeah, like, no, this you this hurts. You need this hurts me. HS replay is saying that. Whenever players are presented with noblemen in the mulligan, they keep it 54.2% of the time. Stop it. Please stop it, guys. Okay, so noblemen aside, all the other cards kind of line up in B, B plus on the win rate scale, so I didn't look too deep into it. Um, The... Uh, a, a, a certain other rating uh, system had put stubborn whatever as their best card, and I don't, stubborn suspect is their number one neutral card. Which when I saw, I thought that was weird. Um, and it's not that good. I like played with it. It's, it's fine. Good. It's fine. It's a, we rated it at a C plus. It's coming in at a C plus on win rate. It's a very simple card. It's four mana, three three death rattle, summon a random three cost minion. It's not like like my, my my thing with this is less than like oh it's such a whatever. But like, how can you look at this and think that this is the best card of the set? That means they put it above like seven of the cards that actually perform better on HS replay slash other people's that were better. It's not like this is a common like you know number one card that people circled anyway. Uh, so just wanted to also point out that Stubborn Suspect is probably the best C-plus card that we had. It's one of, like, yeah, we, we, had, we had a few C-plus cards, so that's one of the best C-plus cards in terms of how it's performing. Um, but it's also just a very normal kind of card that should have been easy to predict, but whatever. Um, all right. That's that's it for the neutrals. Uh, on the class card side, uh, we've also pretty much got everything. Um, the Park Panther, we rated an A. We were probably a little too low. It's performing better than Arbor Up. Ma- like, uh, the, the Hunter Mount, huh? Where are those stats? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's next. Huh? We're on Druid right now. But yeah, so Park Panther, don't skip that card. I know you weren't before, but it's beating out Arbor up on the win rates by a lot, too. Not by like 0.1%. Ramming Mount, we rated at A+. It is destroying like the, the Hunter win rates uh, for, the, for the better. It, it is an S card. Um, there you go. I wanted it to be an S. And, and here's the thing with Ramming Mount. HS Replay players are using it wrong. This is one of those cards that is better with good... It's not a hard card to use, but I have seen it firsthand where they could have won the game and they decided to not win the game against me. Now, this is not to mention the fact that uh, better players have the board more often and can use Ramming Mount more often, right? 
um, uh, at least on three, there's not that much skill in getting uh, in, in getting a board. But like later on, to like save the card if you're like kind of struggling, you you have to do that less frequently, much less frequently as a good player. But yes, Rami Matt, we rated it A plus. Murphs wanted it at S. I concede it should be an S. I've used it. Uh, I haven't draft. I haven't been able to draft it, but I've discovered it and used it. And it was ridiculous, and I've seen it used against me where it was either ridiculous or if they played it right, it would have won them the game. I've had 500 drafts, haven't gotten the chance to draft it even once. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, while, we're on, while we're on Hunter, I mean, that's just that's how it is, right? Like, you never get the good cards. Your opponents always have the good cards. They always have the good RNG. That's how Hearthstone is. It's, it's programmed in. Um, the other thing, if, when we're looking at Hunter, that we should bring up is that Imported Tarantula is the second highest performing card on HS Replay right now in Hunter. Which is way lower than Ramming Mountain, not even close. But it is the second highest performing card. And we, like, I've played with it. It's not really that great. I don't know why it's performing so well exactly. Uh, but we had rated it a, a B plus, right? I'm not changing that stat. I picked away from the card before at least once. Because um, it's a five mana card. And sometimes you don't need the size. Uh, but this is also not a card that I think, like, you are better with a bad player in or anything like that like i think you get you, there's a, quite a lot of skill involved in using this card of when to play it um of when to trade it like so the fact that it's getting a win rate like this means that it's an even better card than than we're giving it for not that it's a worse card but i haven't been able to unlock the secrets of how to make this an amazing card um so i don't know now, it's still really good right b plus nothing to like B plus is where dirigible used to be. It's where Rap Golem is right now. Super good card, uh, just not like super premium the way its win rates are coming out so far. Um, but again, low sample size, right? Only two thousand, so maybe its win rate drops down. Um, all right, what else did I want to talk about on the class side? Uh, Call of the Grave is the only exception to the discover cards are good thing. Apparently, Call of the Grave is not doing particularly great we rated a, 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 a um and it's not getting i don't know if people are misplaying it or if the death rattles are just worse than i thought they were um but that's something to keep an eye out uh elec mount we rated a b plus and it is currently the highest performing uh priest card um but priest overall is terrible right now so i wouldn't read too much into it i drafted one uh, priest that was a terrible experience it's just like, like priest win rates are like what like 42 or 43 percent. oh it's yeah, so it's bad so it's not even fun it's so no. bad oh don't do it man just just yeah. don't do it guys, to yourself. Just, yeah, don't don't play priest and i don't know what to take of any of these stats they're gonna hit the button at some point and they're definitely gonna buff up priest and we'll look at stats again after that um but yeah i have never had a problem with elec mount in the game like used against me i just but clear the i've priest. also never had yeah i've also never had a problem with priest except one they used a crap ton of board clears and huge taunts right that were not elec mount um but yeah the priest never has a board so i don't know this is one of those cards that will have uh, a higher win rate um for uh uh for better players actually i think um, because you're more likely to have the board. So, I don't know. Uh, keep an eye on that. Uh, Counterfeit Blade. We rated an A. Even at the time that I was discussing it, I was like, oh, we should probably drop it a little. Counterfeit Blade is the rogue 4-mana 4-2. Four four 
that gives you a free death rattle of things that have been played, uh, a friendly death rattle. Um, it's, it's, it's just not that good. Uh, besides the dagger issue, it's mostly because there's not that many death rattles in this game right now. And maybe that's the problem with the priest call the grave as well. Maybe like sometimes you play this card and you just like don't get a de- no. You're discovering death rattle. No, I don't. I don't understand the call the grave one. But for counter the blade, oftentimes you don't actually get a death rattle. And if you do, it's a really crappy one that you're forced to play. So it just becomes like a really bad true silver that is in a class that doesn't want true silver. So I think that one was a miss, and I definitely would not rate it an A right now. I wouldn't even rate it a B plus. I'd probably rate it a B. Um, and its stats reflect that. I think a B is accurate uh, for it. Yeah, I think a B is fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, on the bright side, the other cards we said were really good. We're all really good. Tiny Toys, A. Yup, performing up there. Entitled Customer, I freaking called it. Number one card in Warlock. Um, fits. It's one of the only cards left that lets you actually swing the board rather than just clear the board. So it's got that huge win rate above uh, above even stuff like Cascading Disaster or and like Soul Rend which are other giant board clears that are really insanely good for Warlock um, but this one swings so yep that was the list of cards I wanted to call basically uh, having gone through I feel like this is one of our like most successful uh, predictions uh, which is good because we didn't use a uh, strict algorithm I mapped it out with a calculator by hand yeah you did um, some calculator then, stuff yeah and then Murps commented and fixed my like bad errors and then convinced me of stuff and in some cases just told me how the card worked and I was like oh yeah. that, that is how it would yeah, work yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, yeah, you always had those sort of errors. We're just not understanding I mean, cards. ZD-Man Ooh. used to fix that for me, uh, so it, it didn't reach you. Uh, but but that that's a pretty common thing, as you probably... It would not surprise anybody. Uh, no, I, I don't think anyone who watches this channel should be surprised by that at all. Uh, but y- yes, yes, uh, you, you, you did have some of those issues. So, yeah, I, look, I thought it was overall um, fine. I, it, Let's talk about sort of like, okay, because we talked about all this like, oh, let's break down the meta and do all this math and everything. Mm-hmm. Do you like playing it? Are you having fun? Okay. I, this is one of those situations where I am having fun playing it, but I am 100% sure that in three weeks I will not be having fun playing it if stuff doesn't change, and I cannot see how stuff will change. So it's one of those weird things where I'm really enjoying this throwback meta to the classic side. I feel like skill has quite a significant impact right now. A lot of good things. All the new cards, right? Like a lot of them are playable, even though they're not like super busted, which is the best way to do new neutral cards, right? Playable, draftable, not super busted. And it helps that the meta has like kind of like shifted to lower value. But ultimately, we have this problem of the core set. The core set has been updated, and all these old sets don't compete, especially when it comes to the neutral cards. And you're just forced to draft bad cards, and it doesn't feel good. And it makes like the game was like weird sometimes, and decided by RNG of bad cards rather than RNG of good cards sometimes, which feel even worse than being decided by Yaseras. And on top of that, becomes more frequent because even though you're being killed by the top cards less frequently, you're being killed by the worst cards more frequently once you add it up to the best cards, right? Like, so the overall together of my opponents played a card or I drew a card that was terrible and therefore 
when one of us won the game and one of us lost the game is actually like I think higher than it, it, it was before purely because of the disparity in card values so I'm having fun I'm gonna have fun for at least another week once they push the button I'm gonna have fun for at least one more week after whenever they push the button I don't know about after that <laughs> for at least a week um, I'm already starting to feel a little bit uh, I, I, I don't uh, I'm a little bit disenchanted maybe disenchanted is the right word um, I, I agree with that. Like, I, I like the fact that there's not all this initiative in the world because mm-hmm. I just didn't feel like that was what Arena should be, right? We can all have disagreements on what Arena should or shouldn't be. And it shouldn't just be like, oh, it should just be the way it always was. Um, but the thing that I am especially frustrated now is the same thing that a lot of people are talking about. Y- you can't have a meta that is basically like, oh, let's have... 2015 2016 hearthstone and every once in a while uh ysera pops up right like that just you can't do that it's just like oh man like how about we go back and have a good old-fashioned sword fight and every once in a while i'm gonna bring in a bazooka like uh, that's not i just don't like that um and that's how it feels right now and especially i brought this up at the beginning but i was talking to dreads and he he agreed with this it's like you have quite a few decks now where the entire time you're just like, when am I drawing this? I need to draw this. Mm-hmm. I hope I draw this. So for him, you know, there's been a couple of decks in which, because um, he's gotten to draft like Lady Prestor, right? And he, he's like, when do I get the Lady Prestor? Lady Prestor, let's go. And then once the Lady Prestor comes down, if it comes down, you're like, give me these draws. Um, so it's just like dependent on one thing. And for me, it was like in that one deck, Desert Spear, uh, for some of the drafts, more and more, it, it's also just been about the legendaries because of the increased like legendary offering rate in drafts. Uh, and legendaries, they, they've kind of gotten rid of some of the bad ones through the core set. And yeah, you know, there's still some some bad ones, but uh, there's some awfully good ones. So in some of my decks, I'm just like, okay, give me... Um, uh, oh yeah, I, I had this one deck. It was actually pretty disgusting. I had, uh, what was it? Zephyrus plus Bran in a Hunter deck. You know, so Bran, it's like, if I have no duplicates... Uh, I think I was offered one Legendary in the six or seven runs that I've done in this meta. Oh, I had three Legendaries in that <laughs> one run alone. And I think just anecdotally from other people, um, yeah, you definitely see like a decent amount of Legendaries. Um, but yeah, in that one deck, I had the uh, Zephyrus, I had the brand, and I had uh, this one was the, the the stupid one, as in they were all bad choices. So I picked like Max Maxina. Um, it was the six mana four four hunter legendary that like basically I I take a minion out of my deck, they hit face, and then it dies immediately. But I'm like, hey, it, it's you know, it's like a, a night blade, right? It's like a mm-hmm. overpriced night blade. I'll take an overpriced knife uh, night blade. Um, so I, I I took that, but yeah, like the entire time I'm like Zephyrus mod check, like where are you at, like Zephyrus, or uh, you know it, the turns get start getting a little bit late. I'm like Bran, where are you at? Like I need my King Crush, and the rest of the deck was just crap. It was actually just crap. Um, and I, I see this being mentioned uh, on Arena HS as well. People are just like, yeah, I'm I'm a warrior, and uh, well, actually. <laughs> I don't understand this because warriors get like some pretty decent cards but they're just like mm-hmm. uh they're just like i play crap and i'm just waiting for that one sword eater to swing the entire 
game because sword eater is so good. sword eater is so good nowadays but um like i had a a run that had a sword eater and a dragon roar and people keep thinking dragon roar is really good because you get like you know dragons and dragons are really good yeah like spoiler alert the dragon roar was crap and totally unnecessary the rest of the deck was whatever and frankly kind of bad but i had a sword eater and i drew it a lot and that was enough like like what more to say right in a normal deck that is kind of like you curve out, you do whatever, there's nothing particularly super bad about it. You have one card that is a busted card, whether it's a legendary or not a legendary, because Sword Eater is not even like, it's number three in Warrior. It's not even the top two best cards. Like, this was a deck in which I had, it's going to be titled One Sword, because I had no weapons in the deck except one Sword Eater. Uh, and, and that was enough. That was enough, because it's just. The, the power levels are so different that if you have a really good tempo card, especially on turn four, or just for like four mana that can swing it, you just need one card. And you just need to draw consistently, which means you probably need two cards in your actual deck, maybe even like three of these. Uh, but you don't need the top card. And the meta's soft enough that uh, stuff works. But yeah, I mean, I agree with everything that you're, you're saying. Uh, like... I do think that the stuff that you're saying, though, only really comes into play after you have five or seven wins. Um, I think that is like the let's push this deck to greater heights level, not necessarily the oh, let's like, you know, get a get a decent win out of this and get my money back or like, you know, make this run worth it. I think for the people who aren't trying to get 12 wins every run and for the people who are just like trying to do the best by their deck. Um, you can do a lot in this meta as long as you curve out, have enough card advantage, and uh, like don't have more than one super terrible card in your deck. You don't actually need the super good ones. If you're just a good player and you do all that, like there was a run that's not going to be on it because it was like 10 wins, and it was like one of the worst shaman runs I've uh, one of the worst shaman decks I've, I've drafted. Like, I looked at it, and I was like, what? And then before that was one of the worst, like, uh, Demon Hunter decks I've drafted. And before that was one of the worst, like, Hunter decks I've drafted. And it went 10 wins, 7 wins, 5 wins. And they are super terrible decks. And in the previous meta, or any meta since uh, Ashes of Outlands, they would have really struggled to get 5 wins. Like, it would have been, like, hard to, for me to predict more than five wins. And five wins is really just me, like, being pounding my own chest, being like, I'm a good player. I can do it. I can drag this crap all the way to five wins. But now, I feel like, yeah, I can drag this crap to five wins pretty reliably, actually. Because I'm using all these skills that I've built up. And that other people are, frankly, either rusty or just haven't had to build it up. Because they've been in this meta for, like, over a year now. This meta that did not encourage or reward basic hearthstone mechanics basic fundamentals which are back in fashion now in a big way so i also think that although i'm kind of bored of this meta because i've been brushing up on these mechanics for like eight years now uh if you're a newer player like you've been playing this game for like two three years even you probably have a lot of fundamentals that you haven't like really taken the time to brush up against and if you're finding your win rates like either like super erratic because my win rates are not erratic they're like all pretty damn good, even with bad decks. Um, and 
I'm sure part of it is luck, but part of it, I'm also getting sniped like a decent amount, but that's besides the point. Uh, also, snipers' win rates are down now because they're less. Uh, um, it's 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 more random in ways that snipers can't control, and it's less random in ways that revolve around knowing what cards you have. Uh, so it's a it's a it's a better better situation for that too. But even besides that, my point is, it's a good time to really brush up on those super fundamental skills, like. Watch the first like six turns, and and compare what you do to what a streamer does. Like, that's it, it shouldn't diverge, right? Like, I feel like there shouldn't be that much divergence in the first six turns a- after the mulligan. All right, cool. Okay, um, so yeah. That's United and Stormwind meta. I think we covered a lot. I have one request in chat that I'm going to honor because I promised this earlier, and then we will end this podcast. And that is to talk about Mermy. Because you brought it up, Murps. And now we got to address the elephant in the room. That is Mermy's win rate. And I think Mermy's not unreasonable win rate. So, Mermy is as good as a Bone Wraith right now wriggling horror defender of argus that level it's a very high level that's like a a b plus level um well you may or may not think of defender of argus or bone wraith as b plus cards but they are wriggling horror is not a b plus card i can get into a whole thing about why wriggling horror is where it is but i'm not going to go to it right now because i'm just going to cover mermy mermy in this meta is a b plus card if it is like your first pick it is a b plus card if you have a deck for Mermy. Argent Squire is not a B plus card. Argent Squire. Where is Argent Squire? Argent Squire has a win rate of 56.5%, which is 0.5% below Mermy. So Argent Squire is significantly worse than Mermy. Now, this is for one really good reason, and I and that is that it is a Murloc. And I will back up my assertion here by pointing you to another card, which is the card I tweeted out about because it's such a good card. It is the biggest sleeper in United and Stormwind, and it will win you so many games. This is like people are like, oh, mech, you know, engineer or whatever is the biggest sleeper because everyone predicted it would just be okay, and it turns out to be number four. Like, okay, I mean, fine. Maybe, but here's another sleeper that's at the same level of sleepiness. Or if you believe in Murps and how Murps rates Engineer, this is an even bigger sleeper than uh, than Engineer, and that is Lushwater Mercenary. Lushwater Mercenary is a two mana three two. It is not a United Instrument card. It's it's a it's a uh, what do you call it? A Baron's card, but it has gained new life in this meta. It is a 2-mana 3-2 Murloc with Battlecry. If you control a Murloc, gain plus 1, plus 1. Now, remember what we said about this meta. Curve is very important. Tempo is very important. There's not a lot of ways to remove stuff. A lot of the pings got lost. Lushwater Mercenary being buffed by plus 1, plus 1 end gains. It is a flat-out game-winning card if you can trigger it. And if you can't trigger it, it's a normal 2-drop, right? Like, you really didn't lose that much by taking a Lushwater Mercenary. Now, what will trigger a Lushwater Mercenary? Mermy. 
There's not that many Murlocs in this meta, but Mermy is a very good standalone one drop and will trigger your Lush Water Mercenary. Uh, Amalgam also triggers your Lush Water Mercenary, uh, which is also a decent card. I'm sure there are other Murlocs I, I'm you know forgetting about, but Lush Water Mercenaries also trigger Lush Water Mercenaries because they are also a Murloc. You add all this up. And you have this non-negligible, quite significant percentage in which you're just going to get this plus one, plus one. And sometimes on turn two or three or four when it matters a ton. And in this meta, a plus one, plus one super matters in the early game. In a way, it did not matter in the previous metas. So Lush Water Mercenary has a win rate of 57.3%, which is where Pitcrock is. It is basically where Sunwell Initiate is. Sunwell Initiate is 57.5. Sunwell Initiate is 0.2% more than Lush Water Mercenary. Um, now, you're probably drafting Lush Water Mercenary way more in decks that you are desperate for two drops in and where you have the Murlocs. So I'm not saying, like, pick one, take Lush Water Mercenary over Sunwell Initiate. Don't do that. Don't put that on me. I'm saying keep an eye out because this is the sleeper combo. Get your Mermies, get your Lush Water Mercenaries, hard mulligan for them, win the game. I've done it. I've had it done to me. It works. You can't always draft it. You can't even draft it most of the time. But keep an eye out for it. Because this is a very powerful thing, and it works in every single deck. Alright. It's great. Cool. Do, 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 you, do you have any comments I on do not the have... underdog wonder that is Lush Water Mercenary? I do not have any comments. How many games have you lost to your opponents playing Lush Water Mercenary? Zero. How many games have you won due to Lush Water Mercenary on your deck? I, I, I don't know. I might have won with it in one of my decks, but I don't. I, it never did anything more than become a 3 2, that's for sure. Really? Yeah. I think I think you're you're playing and drafting Lushwater Mercenary wrong. I, hate to I say obviously it, am. I obviously am heavily underutilizing Lushwater Mercenary. Like, here's the thing with Lushwater Mercenary, right? Like, good players don't use it better or worse than bad players. You know what I mean? Like, this HS replay stat, it's pretty accurate. It's it's skewed because People are going to draft more Murloc decks than non-Murloc decks, of course, but so should you. So, four decks that have a Murloc in it that you may draft a Lush Water... And the sample size is, uh, is over 10k. This is not like a tiny sample size or anything. This is like a common card. People draft it just as regular two drops. Like, this is not just used in like super Murloc-y synergy decks that you see, whatever. Remember, we were talking about, like, I forgot which card, but like, I think one of the Priest cards or, or whatever that only had like 2,000 uh, sample sizes. Like, Lushwater Mercenary has, like, a decent sample size, actually. Um, and at some point, like, I know we shed on HS Replay for, like, the complicated cards. But for the simple cards, the, the, the numbers are there and you can't argue about it that much. Like, Lushwater Mercenary in a vaguely Murloc deck is insanely good. It is B-plus levels. Like, don't just think of it as a throwaway synergy. Not in this meta. That's all I'm saying. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to learning all I can about 
the uses of lush water. Lush water mercenary. Mm-hmm. Great. All right. All right. That's it. We've uh, given you our biggest miss of the set. We've reinforced the miss that HS Replay has. It's not really that much of a miss. Uh, like, they have it at B+, we have it at A. Uh, but just wanted to double down on the fact that that is a really, really good card. And you guys should play it as that. And we've given you uh, we've, we've given you a, a underdog, a, a, a sleeper pick that I don't think a lot of people are onto yet. But, but they will be. And uh, you can be ahead of the curve and be one of the cool guys who's drafting Lushwater Mercenaries uh, high in decks that you have any Murlocs in whatsoever. Um, and you will profit off of it. Even if you're a bad player. Because it's kind of player skill neutral. Just math. It's just math. Wow. Just math and stats. All right. Well, uh, that's it for us. This is uh, United and Stormwind um, in the meta rundown, including some of us reviews of our cards. Again, we're very happy with our predictions, and uh, they kind of they all lined up. Like this is one of our best uh, best predictions uh, yet, I think. Um, which is which is good. Um, I mean, we normally have a very high rate of of, of accuracy, uh, but after the that a lot of that is also the algorithm. Um, and so, I mean, we've been given kind of softballs and easy sets between Barons and this one, but I think our accuracy for Barons and, uh, and, uh, United and Stormwind were both very high as well. So it's a good thing. I'm very happy about that. Um, we'll talk more about the arena meta. Did anything happen in Battlegrounds? I don't follow anymore because I know I can't keep up. I didn't even buy the Battle Pass. No, I, like, we're just waiting. There's a lot of cosmetics and everything, but we're just waiting for right. the uh, big change. Th that'll big happen change. The big later. change isn't happening until the end of October, right? I mean, at the, at the end of August, right? Yeah, yeah, I was like, October? Jeez, no. Yeah, it <laughs> sorry. Is, it is, um, I, mean, I mean, they have not put a date on it, so it could come okay. in, like, a week and a half. Uh, it could come a little bit more. We, we, we don't know. It's ready when it's okay. ready. Kind of all right, all right. Yeah. So, assuming there's no big Battlegrounds announcement, it'll be another arena-centric episode next week as we dig even deeper in the meta. Uh, until then, this is Abukta. This is Murps. See you guys. Enjoying the Light Forge? For the full rundown on Hearthstone Arena draft strategy, card review, and arena gameplay, follow us on YouTube, Twitter, or twitch.tv at ADWCTA. Support the podcast by sharing us with your friends and family, or become a patron at patreon.com slash grinning goat. Thank you for tuning in, and see you next week.